Hello, this is Mike Biffle, uh, creator of Thomas Was Alone and John Wick Hex, and you're listening to the Xbox Expansion Pass. Welcome one, welcome all to episode 92 of the Xbox Expansion Pass, recorded on Friday, July 23rd, 2021. I'm your host, Luke Lore, the Insipid Ghost. In this episode, we welcome Joe Winter, solo developer for the upcoming title Song of Iron, on to discuss his work in the gaming industry, from all the way back into Neverwinter, through to Halo Infinite, and now to his solo efforts of Song of Iron... We'll discuss the latest news coming out of EA Play, including the return of fan-favorite Dead Space. Activision has been hit with a major lawsuit regarding discrimination of women and minorities. And Ubisoft has a new free-to-play shooter on the horizon. Enjoy. Yet another week of gaming is upon us and behind us. Welcome to XEP, discussing all things in the Gamerverse as they pertain to the Xbox ecosystem. And as I am wont to do each and every week, I like to start the show by offering words of kindness to those who have made my gaming week better. And this week, the words of kindness go to Mr. Famous Seamus himself for always writing in and being supportive of each and every episode uh, that I put together. It is always nice to know that people are willing to listen, willing to contribute, and be supportive in and every way possible. Moreover, Famous Seamus goes out of his way to make sure that his questions are logical, uh, they make sense, and they're always with an eye towards equality. That is noted and appreciated, Famous Seamus. And in a similar vein, I also want to give a shout-out and words of kindness to the various community managers for all different number of games out there in the gaming space. I see quite often from many different gaming communities that community managers have some of the toughest jobs out there. Uh, managing expectations, communicating with fans, with gamers, uh, recognizing complaints at various times. They certainly take a lot of heat throughout the gaming industry, and that can be difficult. Uh, And I just wanted it to be noted that without any one specific CM in mind, I appreciate the work that goes into that, to cultivating a community that is healthy and vibrant uh, to support the developers in their project and creation. Uh, It does not go unnoticed there either. Uh, And so if you guys as listeners ever have a chance to say a kind word or offer a kind note to a community manager, please take the time to do so because goodness knows they put up with a lot of abuse and uh, they certainly have to to manage a lot of expectations and that's got to be tough. All right, guys, let's get to plenty of news for this week. Well, this was a weird week of gaming news. We got a new shooter from Ubisoft announced, fan favorites from EA Play stuff, terrible news coming out of Activision, and Death Store released, which is just one of the coolest games out there. I've been loving Death Store. Strongly recommend you guys check that one out. There's also a really cool game that dropped into Game Pass called uh, Raji from an Indian developer, and that is just a dope, dope title. Uh, that I really hope more eyes get on, and I hope to talk to that team at some point. Uh, But as far as news items to discuss this week, let's start first with EA Play Live. I joined Mr. Badbit over on his Twitch channel to live react to this one, and it was a strange event to have to react to because on the one hand, EA did a very good job at setting expectations. They told us what would not be there, nothing from the skate team per se, though we got a small update from them. We also knew there'd be no Star Wars news uh, from this EA Play Live. So I was already going in with very tempered expectations. That said, I really appreciated knowing what not to get my hopes up for, right? I still held out for Titanfall 3, and that didn't happen. But uh, when they, when companies go out ahead of time and say, hey, this will not be there, please set expectations accordingly, it is all that much more appreciated. I love it when I see Xbox and PlayStation and Nintendo do that. Some of them do it very well, some not. Uh, EA did get ahead of it in a couple different uh, elements there. This event was hosted by Xavier Woods, Austin Creed, uh, you know, of WWE fame, and if you're a Gears player, of course, the New Day is in Gears as well. One of the best parts about Austin Creed is 
his love of video games and his ability to diversify, to put on a great show, not just in WWE, but over with G4 and in his own efforts at Up, Up, Down, Down. Uh, and he absolutely nailed it. He did a great job hosting this event. It was awesome to see him out there having fun, balancing the hosting duties with just genuine passion and enjoyment. Uh, so cheers to him. He's somebody that I absolutely would love to interview at, at some point as well. Um, but they started the EA Play Live event by celebrating Codemasters, who EA acquired, I believe, towards the end of 2020. They picked up Codemasters, who are experts in their field and masters of their craft when it comes to racing games. And this kind of tangentially related to their showing of uh, F1 2021, a franchise that I couldn't really care about personally, not really into myself, and yet I still thought it showed quite well. Uh, racing games outside of Forza Horizon uh, more and more are, are not for me, and yet I really could tell there was a sincere effort to make F1 relevant. They have this live-action story mode that, that's reminiscent a bit of 2K and a few other titles out there in the sports sphere. Uh, and you always kind of run that risk when it comes to EA. Like, are you just going to get a full spotlight on sports games uh, or are they going to diversify a little bit? Because sports is their massive amounts of revenue, uh, not their single player efforts uh, for, for story driven games. But I thought they balanced it quite well. Uh, F1 showed well. Codemasters is a great pickup. Uh, for any company, and EA certainly uh, could use it, that there needs to be an infusion of excitement into that Need for Speed franchise, uh, perhaps Grid or something else. I mean, who knows how Codemasters will truly be used. Nonetheless, I was glad to see them there and celebrated. It, it echoed uh, in ways for me as an Xbox host in seeing the way they celebrated Codemasters, very similar to how Xbox celebrated Bethesda, making sure that, hey, you're part of the family, you are not forgotten, you are not going to be isolated and just cast off aside, uh, you still get to have your own identity, and that seems to be the right way to go about acquisitions, uh, as it were. Uh, the next game that kind of stood out to me uh, past Apex Legends stuff, which is is promising. They had a lot of cool Apex stuff, though I have fallen off a bit of the Apex train, was a smaller title called Lost in Random. I believe that's uh, Thunderful that's working on that one, I think. I need to confirm that. Um, but this was a really charming game that felt like a Tim Burton-esque uh, visual aesthetic, meeting a bit of the humor and storytelling of what Psychonauts 2 looks to be. Uh, I really liked this title. A lot of uh, elements of D&D &D kind of mixed into this third-person platformer. A lot of things that exist in the world of random, hence the name. Uh, and there's a lot of chance that goes about it. Different types of power-up cards and perks that can be used. And one of the characters is a, a anthropomorphic dice, like a, a die, right? Like, a, like that you would roll. Uh, he's got arms and legs, and it really makes sense. They're really kind of hammering in this idea of random chance being a method of progression in storytelling. But it also had platforming and combat elements as well. Lost in Random is a title that I'm very keen on, and it, it surprised me. It kind of reminds me a bit of, of as the aforementioned Death's Door and, and a few other of these indie titles that really take the cake on, on being super charming. And I really hope that there is a renaissance of platformers, for sure. Lost in Random looks to be one of them, and I'm, I'm stoked for it, for sure. Uh, the next thing was Battlefield 2042. 2042. 2042, right? Not three? Now I gotta look it up because now I'm it's Battlefield 2042, obviously. I psyched myself out there, guys. I was like, is it 2043? Uh, 2043 is not the name of the title. I did it again. See? Look at me. I'm having a whole time here. Battlefield 2042 was a game that I did not think I could get more excited for. Not because I was so hyped, but because, like, where, you know, like, all right, it's another shooter. It's Battlefield. Looks great. A lot of discussions around the $70 price points. Really, what are you going to do for me in a fall that is crowded, right? Where Halo Infinite's coming out. Do I care about Battlefield? The answer after EA Play is a resounding yes, absolutely. Battlefield looks more Battlefield than ever with evolutions uh, going on and all types of vehicles being put into play. But something that was just standout incredible was Battlefield Portal which brings in this insanity and awesomeness of the video game world in that you can bring in characters from different eras of combat, meaning you can have uh, very modern Ospreys in the 2042 
timeline battling, you know, Nazi Germany type tanks and, and vehicles and, and soldiers. You can go in there with Vietnam era weapons and battle against 2010s. Uh, weapons. There were a mixing and mashing of all types of vehicles and uh, weapons that were in place. It was awesome. The character loadouts look customized by by era, by faction. I was really impressed by what I saw, and I'm really excited to see how they play with this. Video games can sometimes get overly bogged down with realism, and I think Battlefields 1 and 5 really kind of did that, right? There was a lot of good gameplay there, but it got bogged down in the era. 2042 looks to be a very last-ditch, strong effort to bring Battlefield into relevance. It's very similar to Infinite in that way, uh, in that you know this is their chance to take a big chunk out of the, the other military shooters of Call of Duty, uh, the free-to-play markets. Uh, I'm talking about Infinite at this moment, like with Destiny and Fortnite. But this was an effort for Battlefield to really bring itself into relevance, and as such, they're letting gamers go nuts and play with different types of things through Battlefield Portal. So I'm really stoked on this one. Uh, I still think they've got a tough time justifying a $70 price point next to free-to-play elements. Um, I'm in on that $70. I want to make that clear. I'm in to pay 70 bucks and have a great Battlefield experience. Uh, I will not be playing Call of Duty this year for, for reasons that we'll share in just a bit. But whether or not I play Battlefield when Infinite comes out will be the question. So their release timing uh, of later on in October, uh, I believe, I want to say Battlefield is October 22nd. Though I've seen 18th. I think that's an, an edition thing, like which edition you pay for. Um, but nonetheless, kind of that mid to late October will really be interesting to see where Call of Duty launches and Halo Infinite launches, where Crossfire X lands in there. They've also got Far Cry 6 and Back for Blood kind of surrounding them in that launch window. So some interesting elements to the timing of it. But uh, I'm in on Battlefield 2042, and I was very pleased and impressed with what I saw from that showcase. I know my buddy Joseph Moran um, of the Trophy Room, who sucks and I hate him, uh, he was so excited. He's a, he's a Battlefield lover. And then, of course, I follow a lot of people on Twitter who are just diehard Battlefield fans, and they were in. They were in. And so uh, their excitement led to me being excited. So that's kind of cool, right? Like when it bleeds off on you. I, I hope that I'm able to do that for you guys with a couple other games as well. Um, the big thing from this EA showcase, though, was the announcement and the reveal that Dead Space is officially getting its remake. Dead Space is a strong fan favorite. People were absolutely excited for it. Austin Creed ended the show uh, taking players into the trailer of Dead Space, and uh, everything I've seen, very positive. It was listed as PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series SX, no mention of PS4 or Xbox One, which I'm very pleased about, truth be told. I really want to see what this now current-gen set of hardware can do with a franchise like Dead Space. For it to be a remake and not a remaster is also exciting. Uh, It's not a sequel. There will be no microtransactions. And I'm really in to see where this goes. There's been a comfortable renaissance of platformers and of the horror genre over the last few years. And I like that. I like that. I think Resident Evil is teaching uh, a lot of companies that horror can be done and be done right without just doing jump scares. Dead Space, to me, was always more terrifying than Resident Evil 4, which is saying something. Because Resident Evil 4, at at its time scared the mess out of me in a dark room with the sound up. So I'm really stoked on this one. I'm curious to know when it really is going to launch. But in a heartwarming thing, we saw that the Callista Protocol uh, team, they're the original developers behind Dead Space, they tweeted out their support and their excitement to watch EA kind of bring their brand back to it because they're making a game that is a spiritual successor to Dead Space because prior to this, EA wasn't going to make it. So I, I think that's great. Uh, for any fans listening, you can play Dead Spaces 1 through 3 on Game Pass via and EA Access, so uh, I strongly recommend that. I loved 1. I don't even remember if I finished 2, but it was great. Uh, 3 I didn't get into. I know people call that the black sheep of the franchise because it's a bit more arcadey. That sounds fun to me, but uh, not necessarily horror-esque, so I understand that. Um, let me know how you guys feel about this one at insipidghost on Twitter, insipidghost at gmail.com. I thought EA Play was a pretty good showcase, all things considered, uh, because we knew Star Wars wouldn't be there. Still want Titanfall 3, though. (laughs) 
In a more sobering news article, a lawsuit has been filed against Activision Blizzard for harassment and discrimination against women in their workplace. The California Department of Fair Employment and Housing has filed a lawsuit against Activision Blizzard for, quote, violations of state civil rights and equal pay laws, end quote, regarding the treatment of women. Now, this comes from an article initially released by Bloomberg, and I plucked it from gamesindustry.biz. Uh, a lot of allegations going on after, as the res- after a two-year investigation into the studio by the state agency that alleged a frat boy-like culture that was a breeding ground for harassment and discrimination against women. That is wild and awful and painful uh, to, to note, but it's the details that tend to be quite a bit more cringeworthy. I'm going to read you a quote from this lawsuit uh, that says, quote, In the office, women were subjected to cube crawls in which male employees would drink copious amounts of alcohol as they crawl their way through the various cubicles in the office and often engage in inappropriate behavior towards female employees. Male employees would proudly come to work hungover, play video games for long periods of time during work while delegating their responsibilities to female employees, engage in banter about their sexual encounters, and talk openly about female bodies and joke about rape. End quote. That is Awful to hear, and my goodness gracious, is it just insanity. Uh, This suit was filed last Tuesday by the Los Angeles Superior Court, uh, and Activision Blizzard, which is made up of about 20% women, assigns women and women of color to lower paid and lower opportunity levels with lower starting pay for similar work as their male counterparts. That is atrocious to hear. It is not necessarily surprising, given the often toxic workplaces that male-dominated fields can can sometimes be. Uh, Moreover, it sounds like a lot of these things were well past the jovial, joking, camaraderie-type things that you might see in a workplace, but well into the uh, wildly inappropriate and uncomfortable elements of it. And that absolutely sucks. None of this is going to get better, though, until sales are affected. Activision is is not going to genuinely, truly change their behavior, nor will any video game company uh, likely change their behavior until their dollar sales are affected. It's applaudable, really and truly it's applaudable, that we see so many social media call-outs and a general wave of support for victims. But companies run on dollars, and oftentimes the heads of companies, and Bobby Kodak's the head of Activision, for God's sake, um, the heads of companies are often, not always, but often devoid of compassion in favor of money. And that has led me to a decision very seriously to stop buying Activision games. And that sucks. Call of Duty, Diablo, which I was really looking forward to this year, uh, Crash games. I'm no longer going to be buying Call of Duty games. Or sorry, Activision games, I should say. And that really does kind of stink because you want to support the people that were genuinely working hard there. But I don't think a statement is really going to be genuinely, truly heard. Again, I love the social media waves and the call-outs and the supports for victims. But it's dollar sales that are going to matter here. And so um, given all that's going to be happening this fall, plenty of games to go around, given the gravity of these uh, sentiments and, and statements that we're seeing come out after a two-year investigation, I'm I'm not spending money there. And, and I'll comfortably admit I'm also doubting some of the Ubisoft approaches uh, of late. They've still yet to clean up things and, and get their act together over at Ubisoft and I'm struggling kind of morally with where the line is, right? Like, where is the line for me in in entertainment to to say no more, right? Because these companies do run on dollars. And um, Activision kind of crossed a point for me internally. Ubisoft is on and off there uh, for sure. I mean, I hear mixed things at various points, but it, it really stinks. And um, I think the decision to not buy Activision titles is made a bit easier because there is a crowded fall but uh this this irks me and it stinks because i like call of duty right and i was really looking forward to diablo but there's no place there's no place in the games industry for that level uh, of of toxicity in a workplace and nobody should be subjected to things like pub crawls or being delegated to smaller duties and paid less and made jokes made about rape at their expense like that's just wild to me and uh, I will. I, I will not support that, knowing that it exists there. Um, and I really hope Activision and other companies, which I'm sure this happens in, are able to clean up their act. It has to happen. It has to get better. Um, 
Yeah, it has to. So a sobering and difficult topic to talk about. Um, if you if you are hearing this and reflecting upon behaviors of your past or things that you've seen, behaviors of other people around you, really take that time, reflect on it, do your best to figure out how you can grow and be better. Uh, we all mature at different rates, but there are there are lines that cannot be crossed. Uh, but allow yourself to to be educated and, and listen to ways to make yourself better. Man, it's a difficult topic to even like to have a conversation about it. It's so sobering and it's difficult to even like talk about without. I don't know. It's just it's weird. But my heart goes out to those uh, victims who who were subject to that level of harassment. And uh, yeah, all right, moving on. <laughs> Well, I mentioned Ubisoft in the last story. I'm mentioning them again here for this next story, but not necessarily for uh, the same levels of sobriety that need to take place. Uh, Ubisoft announced a new shooter that combines many of its franchises uh, into a free-to-play first-person experience. Uh, it is called X-Defiant. X-Defiant. And it's a variety of competitive 6v6 arena and linear game modes such as domination and escorts. It combines a large pool of uniquely designed maps in rotation and no two matches will feel the same. You'll get to personalize your defiant play style. You'll be able to choose factions, traits, and abilities along with your ultras. Mind you, these factions are from all different types of Tom Clancy franchises from The Division to Rainbow Six. Maybe even some Splinter Cell in there, but it's definitely not a Splinter Cell game. That is awkward and strange. The Wolves, Outcast, Cleaners, and Echelon factions will battle across iconic locations and combine a ton of things from the Clancy universe. I watched the reveal of this. I watched the trailer for it, and I came away just as baffled as can be. Uh, I'm still confused why this wasn't at their Ubisoft Ford a month ago. Why would they wouldn't sit on that Ubisoft forward and, and let this kind of be in that presentation? Maybe it looks too much like Rainbow Six to have in a presentation with Rainbow Six. And yeah, it does look a lot like Rainbow Six. There is a weird art style here that's reminiscent of Rage 2 and uh, Watch Dogs, but it's, there's Tom Clancy stuff taking place. There's an emoji in the, the title, which is weird. Uh, I have I have a lot of just confusing sentiments around this Ubisoft shooter. I have to imagine that no matter how good a thing Ubisoft makes at this point, whether it's a great free-to-play first-person shooter, and all signs point to it being well-produced, no matter how good anything Ubisoft does, if they don't talk Splinter Cell, no one's going to let them off the hook. Uh, The YouTube comments were not kind. The live chatter on socials were not necessarily kind. And that stinks, by the way, because the shooter itself does look good. And it does look like there's a good team behind it. It's just that no one's asking for this. I do not need another, another military shooter at the expense of development resources that could go towards something I do want, like a stealth action game in Splinter Cell. Uh, When you've got Call of Duty, Halo Infinite, Battlefield 2042, Crossfire X, all launching in your fall, next to pre-established games like Rainbow Six Siege, like Destiny, like Fortnite, like Apex Legends, who's asking for X-Defiant, right? Slipgate just came out. Uh, that that seems to be doing very well in its preview form. Valorant still exists and is doing uh, rather well. Uh, the previous Ubisoft Battle Royale Hyperscape, ain't nothing happening on that front. It's just a strange thing. And I got Ubisoft sometimes is does a really good job at creating experiences I want. Watch Dogs Legion, Immortals. Uh, other times, baffling decisions. Sometimes the decisions make perfect sense. I'm thinking about uh, Assassin's Creed Infinity, I want to say they called it, but the, the live service Assassin's Creed makes perfect sense. This, I don't know if it makes perfect sense, man. Weird, strange, makes Splinter Cell. Let's get to listener mail now. Several of you were good enough to write in, despite me putting the call out for listener mail a couple days early. Uh, I'm on a time crunch here, so shout out to those of you who I weren't able to get questions in for. I know uh, Famous Seamus and Dano and a few others wrote in questions that I'm just not able to get to. Because of this time crunch, I'm going on vacation, headed to Galaxy's Edge. Super excited for that. Uh, But... I have a couple questions here that I'm going to get to. This first one comes from Mr. Lord James Suddy, who says, What entertainment tech, if any, 
are you bringing uh, while you go on vacation? I have become accustomed to bringing quite a lot uh, because I have kids. Chromecast, Blu-ray player is key, but now that with Game Pass, I'm bringing more. Uh, Suddy, I am bringing outside of my phone, which is kind of standard, right? Uh, I'll bring my tablet and uh, my Razer Kishi, and that's it as far as tech. Beyond that, I'm just taking books. We have a couple-hour flight down uh, to Florida. We're there for two, two, two days, and then we're flying back the day after, so it's a four-day trip all around. I'll bring books. Uh, I have the ha- latest Halo book from Kelly Gay that I'm going to be reading. Uh, that's, that's pretty much all I'm bringing there. Tech-wise, I understand why you're asking. If I was staying at a relative's house and not a hotel uh, or something in a place where I'll be outside of the hotel room, I would be bringing more, maybe an Xbox One controller uh, or a Series S controller. But yeah, not, not too much on, on this front. I'll bring my tablet to read comics and my, my book to read. Um, but And maybe the Razer Kishi just to have if I feel like it. But really and truly not a lot of tech this time around. Um, different type of trip perhaps. Different type of trip perhaps. But good question. Garrett Bland wrote in. Garrett Bland, good to have you uh, listening again, man. I love you lots, buddy. He says, with Steam Deck arriving next year, should Xbox work with Valve to implement Windows Game Pass natively or have an xCloud Game Pass app on the custom Steam OS? Garrett Bland, absolutely they should. Absolutely. Xbox should be talking to Valve. In fact, they are talking. They are talking. It's a secret. It's a secret that everyone knows. Uh, They are indeed talking. Um, They should be doing everything possible to get Game Pass on that device. That is going to be key to both of their successes, I think, because the Steam Deck, I feel, I I know I said this last week, Steam Deck's going to do really well out the gate, and I think it's going to fall flat after that. Not a lot of kids are going to be going up and asking mommy and daddy for a $500, $600 with a good memory, mind you. Uh, Almost portable device to play PC games on. Right, I don't think that's going to be happening. Then that's what happens with Switch. People are like, "Hey, can I play? Can I get a Switch?" So I think the people that are into it and in the know are going to get out, gobble up those pre-orders, check it out. It's going to be really cool, but they're not going to be selling out past that first initial wave or not, wave or a couple waves. So I hope that they get Game Pass on there natively. I hope it's built in. They find a way to make it work because I think it's going to be key to both of their successes. And Game Pass for PC gets a lot of love. Um, but it is still a little bit of a mess in terms of curation, so it'd be nice to see a little bit of love there too. Good question, sir. Court Lalonde writes in with the last question of this week, and he says, "Why do you think the Series S doesn't get the respect it deserves? I have both, and I find the S to be the best value in gaming." Court, that's a that's a great question. You don't actually see a lot about the S. Uh, in in the media scape at the moment but i think that's largely because everything's sold out anyway and there's no reason to push the s the s is microsoft's not so secret weapon towards combating budgets right once they get s's into production uh, at a rate where they're not sold out every time then they can start marketing the system in a different way it does no good to market a system like crazy if you can't keep it on shelves Uh, because it's already selling out. They'll probably ramp up a lot more verbiage and dialogue about the Series S and just, excuse me, what it can do for you later on once they they need to start moving units and they need to have Series S-specific games. Right now, all all the games are back and forward combat, right? They're cross-generational. No reason to to rush your marketing when everything's already off the shelves, um, so I think you'll see a lot more about the S as it goes. I want an Xbox Series S so badly. Haven't been able to find one just yet. I want it for downstairs so I can um, play games downstairs with my wife uh, and play games with my wife, and it's just not doable right now. So I think the Series S is a good secret weapon. I mean, we have a $300 console that can play next-gen stuff. That's where it's at. I don't know. I don't know. I need to, I need to, I need to start making some phone calls and trying to find one for myself. That's for sure. All right, guys, that is going to do it for this portion of the episode. We are going to be talking with Joe Winter, the creator of Song of Iron, uh, about his time in the gaming industry. He's worked on Neverwinter, the MMO. He's worked on Star Trek Online. He's worked on a game called Halo Infinite, and he'll talk a bit about that. Not too much, nothing like reveal-y, spoilery, but it was cool to hear his thoughts on just Halo Infinite. And then he's got a game that he is solo making, 
called Song of Iron, and it's really exciting. It's launching later on in August. So stoked for you guys to hear this interview from him. I also, I'm sitting on an interview with Hero Concept. They're making a really cool brawler called Mayhem Brawler, uh, which is a cool 2D Streets of Rage-like game. Sitting on that one, I'm going to clean that up post-vacation and then put that one on an upcoming episode as well. Uh, Yeah, and i got a few other things brewing for you also before my fall gets crazy going back to work. That's going to be it for me, guys. Have a wonderful rest of your week. Enjoy the interview with Joe. Take care, guys. I am very fortunate now to welcome to the show Joe Winter, who is the creator of Song of Iron, coming to an Xbox near you soon. Joe, how are you, sir? Hey, how's it going? I'm doing really well. I'm happy to be here. I'm ecstatic to have you. I love talking to developers about what it is they're doing, their time in the industry, uh, and just what they hope to accomplish with their games. I'm really excited for Song of Iron. Uh, I totally have, have, you know, this, I want to hear the elevator pitch for Song of Iron, but first I think it would be great if uh, you let listeners know a little bit about yourself and your time in the gaming industry prior to, uh, landing on this solo project. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I've been an animator in games for coming on 15 years now, which feels crazy, but, um, yeah, it just keeps going. Um. I, I got into the industry initially with a small studio called Play Mechanics. They they worked on Big Buck Hunter and Terminator Salvation, the arcade games. You might see those in like theaters or bars, depending on where you're at. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty classics, but like hilariously small studio. And, you know, um, it was an amazing kind of like first touch into the industry. I, and uh, I learned a lot from that. And then... Uh, I got a job at Cryptic Studios, which is a, an MMO house, worked on Star Trek Online, Champions Online, and Neverwinter Online. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, I really loved that place. It was, you know, MMOs, players will just eat through that content. Like, you know, there's no tomorrow. And mm-hmm. so I really, like, I learned how to move fast and to make and like animate really quickly. And it was just this amazing, like, training montage Mm-hmm. of of my career and and uh so you know it's it really fun i really like that and then from there that was like seven years i think i was there and then um i was lucky enough to to land a spot at uh 343 working on halo 5 mm-hmm. um as a contractor originally and then i went full-time and um i was there for six years altogether i think and then uh wow uh, yeah, it, you know, it was, it was like two years of five and, and then the, you know, post-launch support and then um, basically three or four years of Infinite. Mm-hmm. And uh, I left in December because of Song of Iron. Song of Iron had kind of picked up enough that I felt comfortable uh, leaving a wonderful, comfortable job at Microsoft for for the, the scary unknown of uh, indie development. And um yeah, and it, that's, I mean, geez, that's been six months now. What is it, seven months now? And it's been going great. I love it. I absolutely love love working in the indie way. And uh, yeah. That's incredible. Well, that's, I mean, that brings up a lot of questions from, from how <laughs> MMOs work versus AAA development and live oh, service yeah. uh, all the way to, to indie. What do, what do you think the biggest difference between you being an indie creator now is from, say, working at some of the major studios? My mind jumps to 343, obviously, but, but any of the others. Yeah, I think, you know, I, the, the bigger the studio, the smaller your role is. And so, mm-hmm. you know, inevitably, I mean, there's sort of two things, you know, like I, at at three four three, I really really specialized in 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 a, in a specific set of animation. You know, mm-hmm. I I at the end there, I was the lead character animator on the and on all the enemies. So any anything that you fought, I was in charge of to some extent for animation. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, at Cryptic, which was much smaller, I was you know at times in charge of all the animation on a single project. Uh, mm-hmm. Not that I was making all of it, but I was in charge of all of it because I, you know, the, there was only three or four animators working on one of those games. Uh, but but still, you know, all we were in charge of was animation. For the on the indie side, um, one of the things that makes it so fun is that I'm in charge of. Well, I mean, like literally everything. I'm you know going from from the the story creation to the animation to the art to the lighting to the coding, all that stuff. So what what I think that gets. 
uh, indie developers that doesn't always work in the bigger studios is like this really clean idea that the person who's making it is also the person who's like making the decision on the concepts. Mm-hmm. Um, if that, I kind of said that backwards maybe, but and it's something that happens at bigger studios is, you know, like the director of the game will have the idea. They'll tell all of their sort of directors, then, then that'll go down to the leads and then that'll go down to, you know, the next person. And there's this long chain of telephone that happens. And of course mm-hmm. we do, you know, you're checking always to see if the idea, you know, if it works and the director's checking on it, but you're still, you're still trying to make somebody else's vision mm-hmm. and that can be tough with art, you know, and you're mm-hmm. trying to like understand it and, and do all of your, your, what you're really good at, but you need all this information and it, it's never, you, you know, it always kind of is diluted through people and stuff. And um, obviously some games still kill it. There's plenty of amazing triple A's like that. I'll never say that that's not true, but mm-hmm. I, I, you know, any one of those studios is going to, you know, know that feeling of like, okay, we need to redo this because it's not what this person wanted. And, Do you and feel you know, an extra kind of... sense of pressure with with a bigger uh, franchise or brand? And I'm, think, I'm thinking Halo and Neverwinter kind of in that realm. Is there a bigger sense of pressure even though you're playing that telephone game? I, you know, yeah, totally. And I think it, those are the ones that I think are probably the hardest because, um, you know, like I've been a Halo fan all my life and you get there and someone says, let's do this thing. And I instantly... I'm I'm translating their comment through the lens of my experience with Halo and what I think makes Halo Halo, mm-hmm. and and being part of those studios, everybody has a different, a slightly different view of what makes Halo Halo, and so, and then the fans have their own, and and it's this crazy balance act, and so you do you really have to really dive deep into those conversations with people and make sure that what you're working on is what they want and you know and everybody's in agreement and stuff and and it you know it's pressure is maybe not the right word but there's definitely an emphasis on on paying attention to that sort of thing Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when you're when you're trying to protect a you know something that people have grown up with and Mm -hmm. and love and will care very much about when it comes out and everything and you were fairly deep into infinite development i mean you left to make song of iron roughly six months ago so do you feel a sense of awkwardness i guess looking at this incredible <laughs> solo project you've got but also knowing that that infinite's kind of on its way and would have been out at one point you know in in development uh, is that weird for you no I, you know it's it's one of those things you know you never want to leave at the wrong at a bad time for the mm-hmm. team or anything like that and you know it's like you just can't you, things are just inevitable sometimes and um you know, I had hoped that the original launch would have worked the way it did and, you know, what it was planned for. And it would have been, it would have worked out perfectly for me in that case. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, things happen and sure. um, it, it's going to happen. And I, you know, I, it's one of those things where I definitely tried to make it obvious really early on. I talked to my, you know, my managers and stuff and worked with the team to make the, a really smooth transition um, mm-hmm. and to make sure I didn't leave anybody high and dry or anything like that. But, you know, I, I mean, I still talk to everybody there and some of you know some of my best friends or became you know people who i work with became really really good friends and you know so we stay close and you know i know how things are going and we, we just you know work together as much as we can <laughs> how often do you get pride for infinite details and secrets that's it's got to be oh, a thing that happens yeah. all the time <laughs> people i mean i think people people know that you know there's like the last thing anybody wants is some animator spilling the beans on the thing that isn't ready to be talked about so people are generally pretty nice about, about well, that's it. good yeah <laughs> that's good i uh I'll, I'll tell you what i i mean i knew your experience and i was like man i i I feel like I have to ask, but I don't want to, you know, it was like one of those funny, like, yeah, oh, yeah. Things. yeah, I love, you know, it's, I love talking about it and there's so many good things that come out of studios like that. And, and I, I mean, I loved my time at the studio and at Microsoft and the, I, you know, the animation crew is, was, has been amazing. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Well, well, cheers to uh, their success and to the work that you'll yeah. you'll probably get to take pride in once that releases. Yeah, but, two uh, games this year. <laughs> yeah, that's well, that's kind of what that was going to be my transition, man. You'll see two products of your work launch this year. I mean, we're not too far away from uh, the release date of Song of Iron. Oh, no, Six months yeah. ago, you started solo work. When did 
genuine production just begin on Song of Iron? How long have you been working on it? Uh, I think it's been pretty much two years this month. Um, wow. Yeah, it was like 2019, uh, about July is when I started started working on it. So the majority yeah. of the work was pandemic-based then? Most of it was pandemic, yeah. yeah. Interesting. How did, how did that go for you mentally? I mean... I mean, realistically, it as far as Song of Iron goes, it made it better. I mean, it, I'm fine being in a room by myself for hours and hours and hours. And mm-hmm. it just sort of afforded me more excuse to do that. And so <laughs> I happily, uh, you know, grinded away on Song of Iron at, at night and worked at 3 for 3 during the day. And uh, it was, yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, it also, you know, like in weird ways, you know, E3 kind of was delayed and pushed till I think it was June or July of 2020. And because of that, so that's why Song of Iron got to be in the pre-show for that, for Xbox. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was a tiny clip and a montage, but still it was just the beginning of sort of the Xbox crew finding it. And, and yeah, it was crazy. Did did it showing up in Xbox have to do with your relationship with 343? Because we've had um, Clayton Kozlarik was on talking about some of his personal projects and how they were kind of Xbox specific. He's a manager at Xbox. So I wondered, yeah. is that why that ended up that way? No, actually, um, it, it had nothing to do with it, luckily. And even after it had started, we had to do some like um, anti-corruption, which sounds really dramatic, but like. Microsoft has its own department to make sure no funny business is going on. Mm-hmm. And so we, we kind of went through that. Basically, uh, I think it was February. I, I had a Reddit post that did really well, mm-hmm. uh, front page gaming and then Reddit in general. And and that's how uh, Nick at ID at Xbox found me. And um, he had seen that and then he reached out and it went from there. And I kind of was like, I work at 343, you know, like I... I have to like do all this, like make sure everything's okay. I had to tell like my managers and stuff and everything mm-hmm. cleared and it was all good. And um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's one of those, they don't want like people giving buddies deals for no sure. reason, you know, that kind of stuff. So, um, but yeah, I mean, and, and it's very specifically, I mean, I can talk about that. I work at three for three now that I'm gone, but when I was there, you know, there, I, I couldn't mention it, you know, I couldn't, I could never use the correlation mm. um, in any way. It's more so like, I, you know, I can't say I work at 343 and I'm making this game. So gotcha. it couldn't, uh, yeah, sap some of that, you know, excitement. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, tell me the eleva- elevator pitch for Song of Iron, because I know how I would describe it poorly. Uh, and I want to hear your elevator pitch and how you would describe it to a listener that hasn't seen it just yet. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, elevator pitch is always tough for me, uh, which is funny enough, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> so, so Song, Song of Iron is uh, an action adventure side scroller, um, much in the vein of a limbo or, or an inside. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very inspired by those games, but I kind of asked myself at one point, like, what would those games be if it was a Viking instead of a kid and there was combat and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so I, I started working on Song of Iron and Song of Iron is a dark Nordic world where you are basically on your own fighting through Vikings and monsters and trolls and all this, all this sort of fantastical um, enemies and you're, and it's just a game that I wanted to be to feel like a super immersive Nordic experience. I wanted to have combat feel really gritty and visceral and very John Wick like. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't want you to worry about keeping the super weapon or anything like that. So I put all of the fun stuff in the gear so you can throw your weapons, you can break shields on people, you, you can do all this stuff and not worry about it because you can just grab all of their gear and move on. And, um, I just wanted to make something that was fun and made you feel like a a badass hero. And and that's basically what song of iron boils down to. Um, I love that you're saying you have the inspirations of limbo and inside, because I can see it when I look at gifts, when I look (laughs) at videos and, and and even stills, uh, and and it is more combat intensive, at least in, Mm -hmm. in what I'm seeing. Uh, than those games but you seem to be doing a lot of work with lighting and shadow am i over reading into that no totally i think you know i a lot of the inspiration too just in general was from just the old school side scrollers but you know knowing that engines and technology allows us to do a lot of cool stuff you know i i'm just playing with light as much as i can i've got 
you know, one of the main elements of the game visually is dynamic lighting where, you know, you have a flaming axe you're walking around with and it's all casting shadows and, you know, doing all that nice fun stuff. And, and because I'm, I've got the side scroller kind of locked perspective, I can push more intense lighting than, you know, your average game can. And, and that allows for that to really stand out a lot. I think. One of the things I love is seeing, uh, enemies or your character holding something that is on fire and the way the shadows <laughs> are cast as you move about stealthily before you go into combat yeah, uh, yeah i would have to imagine that that is your skill as an animator from from years past really coming into play here yeah it, it definitely helps the, the animation helps the most with like um the combat making things feel really nice for the player like every time you push a button hopefully something you know it, that feels good both because you do something cool but also because what you do looks really cool or looks good and um, the combat is all sort of tried to be really naturalistic timing. So it feels a little slow initially because it's more, it's more realistic. And, and, um, I think in the end that actually feels really good. And that was one of the things I wanted to do with my, like my ability to animate and, um, and just for the feeling of the game, trying to feel really grounded and realistic and stuff. We should note that I'm consistently asking, what are you doing? Like you specifically, that's because uh, nearly everything in this game is just you as a, a solo developer. Is that correct? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> so tell me, tell me what that entails uh, and what it is that you're not doing on Song of Iron. Sure. Um, basically, I mean, so the, the two things that I'm getting help on are, and both of them are audio based, is the sound design and the music. So I have a composer that's composed a completely original soundtrack for the game, uh, Will Ghost. He's done an amazing job. But that's all the music that's been in the trailers and so on uh, has been him, uh, both writ- like composed and performed by him. Um, and then I have a, a group, Strikecast Audio, that's helping me with sound design. Um, two things that I, I desperately am terrible at, and um, I knew, especially music, there was no way that... Um, I could do it on my own and I didn't want to buy, uh, you know, sort of the right tracks and then have those be heard all, all the, like in different places. Um, we really went all in on the Viking Nordic kind of mythology vibe with the, with the music. We bought in like a really traditional instrument to like put that in everything. And, and so that's been really great. Um, and then sound design, it's a tough thing. I mean, there's massive studios, to, you know, specifically for it to get really good stuff. And I'm, I'm not an audio person. I, I wouldn't know the first thing. And so that was two, two avenues of the game I really wanted um, professional help on. Mm-hmm. Um, and when the next sort of came apart or about once the game sort of had bit picked up enough that I was like, okay, yeah, it's definitely going to be worth doing this. But other than that, other than the audio side, I'm doing animation, character art, environment art, environment design. I'm coding, you know, the entire game. Uh, I've, do all my social media pretty much all my you know posting all my trailers i make all those myself and uh, you know the list goes on but it's pretty much every everything else <laughs> uh let's just simply say are you tired because that's yeah. a lot of work <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh it, it's much better now that i'm only working on this game and not another game at the same time but uh yeah it's <laughs> it's been an adventure i've definitely pushed really hard uh, and I'm looking forward to launch, not only to get it out, but to uh, to relax a little bit. <laughs> now, the game launches on the 31st of August, yes? Correct, yep. And what's this last, like, month, this this trek towards release date? How are you feeling? Like, what's your emotion level at? I have to think <laughs> it's just a very heavy mix of anxiety and excitement. Oh, oh yeah. It, it swings day to day. Uh, you know, a few weeks ago, I was kind of like, should I just delete this and run away? Like, would that be the safer option? <laughs> like, do is this fun? I don't know what I'm doing. Um, but you know, I'm feeling really good right now. Um, the release announcement went, I mean was awesome. People were so positive. I had a demo in Steam's Next Fest in June just recently, and that went really, really well. I mean, tons of really positive response from that. Uh, and I have to constantly remind myself that, you know, people have played it and they do like it. So it's probably not a terrible game. <laughs> and um, But really, like, I'm basically just playing through making huge lists of things I want to, I want to like polish or fix. And then I go through and I do all those fixes and then I play through again. And um, it's definitely nerve wracking as the time, you know, the weeks kind of turn into, into nothing. But as it dwindles down. Yeah, yeah. exactly. (laughs) 
Well, tell me what types of things end up on your list because you know, like, there's this really bad commercial from the '80s where it says we need to polish up the the oh, graphics yeah. on level two. Yep. <laughs> like, what actually goes into refinement after you've released it or tested things? What what, what do you do? There? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's a huge gamut of of little stuff. You know, I'll um, controls has always been one of the biggest points of feedback on on the game, and so I'm constantly, you know, like, is this feeling okay? Like, is this am I giving enough time for the double click for this thing or that? And I try it a bunch and I'll switch controllers to try it on like, you know, I'll be playing on gamepad and then on the keyboard and, you know, like I'll kind of tweak stuff. Um, if some, you know, I'll get to a point where like I'm having a hard time getting through an area. And then, so it's like, okay, maybe it's like, I need one less guy here or too many, you know, spear, you know, guys are here cause they'll just like totally mess you up. And then it's just, it can be balanced stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll see little art things that I, that like stand out to me that I don't like, or, you know, uh, there's too many trees in the way. So combat's getting hard because you know, you can't see anything. It's just like that, just tons of these little, little, little things that most of them take me as long as it takes me to write the note to fit, to fix it mm-hmm. um, kind of thing. And then, and then there's bigger stuff where it's like, okay, I need to make sure that this long scripted event kind of plays out well. And then I'll try to break it a bunch of ways and, and make sure that, you know, everybody can play through the, you know, that you're never going to get blocked by something mm-hmm. um, and not be able to make progress. That's obviously the kind of like the, the worst case scenario if you ever can't get past something. Right. Um, and just trying to break the game as much as I can. And, and yeah, how, it's just a, a thousand little cuts like that. <laughs> well, how easy is it to fix something based on player view? But let's, let's say you get to, to September 2nd, you've been out for three days and you want to, you, yeah. you're not happy with something. Uh, that you want to go in and fix. Is that an easy thing to do or is it a, a big undertaking? Um, I mean, to do the fix itself, it's probably really easy. Um, mm-hmm. s- some issues will be harder than others, but for the most part, you know, no one issue is ever really bad. Like worst case, I have to spend a few solid days on something. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the slower part of the process is then needing to go back through certification to then release that that patch so you know say a bug comes up day one i probably have it fixed day one or day two but um then rolling that into a a new build testing that build and making sure that i didn't inadvertently break anything going through certification for the platforms is the thing that's gonna consume the most time uh in the end and would be what would delay any any responses like that interesting yeah. Well, one of the things that I find fascinating for Xbox developers uh, specifically, but but that's not limited to, is how they have to balance control input with Microsoft's shift towards uh, controllers, you know, but also having uh, cloud-based tech coming on along the way, touchpad controls. Is that something that you have to, as the developer, worry about? Yeah, totally. I mean... Um... You know, with mine coming to PC also, so I've got keyboard and mouse and then controller and stuff. And um, yeah, there's all these little things you have to like, what happens when you turn the controller off and what happens when you turn the console off and all these very like console centric things that you do have to worry about. And you have to, your game has to respond a certain way to when that mm-hmm. happens. And um, it's not, it's not bad. I mean, Unreal luckily, which is the engine I'm using, has almost all of this stuff built into it in one way or another. And so... I luckily am not like from scratch building a system like that, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, you do have to kind of worry about all that sort of stuff. What is it you're looking forward to most about people discovering Song of Iron? Um, you know, I I think in general, I'm just hoping that people who play it just sort of sit down and and have fun being you know a warrior and going through a nice c- quick story. Um, I mean, there's so many games out there these days and, you know, so often it's talked about like how hard it is to like get into these, you know, hundred hour monsters uh, as fun as it is to do that sometimes. Um, you know, I, I hope people are just like, one of the things I really liked about inside and, and, and limbo was that, you know, this one sitting experience in some ways. And, and I hope that I can deliver something like that and people can enjoy it. And I'm also very excited for people to unravel all the stuff I haven't talked about, mm-hmm. um, about the like game. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it, it's, 
yeah, I, it's one of those things. It's like, I can't know until it happens and I'm very excited to see how that goes. And if people, uh, like it as much as I do or, or hate me for it or whatever, but, <laughs> but very excited about it. Well, my mind is racing now. It's like, <laughs> all right, how could I extract more info there? Goodness. Uh, well, there's a dreaded question that sometimes developers get put on the spot with, and it's, well, what are you going to do after what's mm. next? Uh, do you get to think that far at this point in development or is it something you're looking forward to or is it all focused on, on release? Yeah. You know, I mean, anytime you're, especially towards the end of a project, I've been doing this, like we said, two years, you know, my mind is drifting, you know, here and there off to like the next thing when it gets to be fresh and new again and everything. And, um, I've always planned for, for this to be a trilogy, um, from the very beginning. So I have. I have the framework of the story for part two and part three. And, um, you know, assuming that this doesn't go, you know, end up completely, I, I plan on supporting and, and extending the platforms a little bit, you know, getting to different stores and so on. But um, mm -hmm. I definitely does that pretty mean, quickly. I'm, I'm going to interrupt only to ask, does that mean yeah, you're trying to get to more storefronts like PlayStation and Epic and that kind of thing? Um, right now, that? yeah, the thought would be like, you know, good old games and Epic store and and stuff like that um mm -hmm. as far as consoles are concerned i'm not even thinking about them to be totally honest because gotcha. they're they're a, a big beast and you know i'm i'm more than happy to be on xbox for the moment and so it's a yeah, big it's... certification type difference to get on pc fronts yeah definitely gotcha okay i did, I did not know that that's why i asked yeah it's just i mean you know it's like pcs are sort of self or i don't say regulated but those there's all this expectations of the consoles working and, and at a quality level and they've everybody's got their own little niche bits of their consoles and so there's way way bigger process than than pc gotcha um, prior to my interrupting you you were yeah. mentioning uh that you had the story laid out you have the trilogy ready to go in, yeah in so yeah so i'm just i'm ex i'm jonesing to like get started on that already and you know i this is this is my first solo game like this. this is the first time I've like I've engineered a game. This is the first time I've done, you know, all sorts of stuff. And so it's not perfect. You know, Song of Iron One is not perfect by any means. And mm -hmm. I'm excited to take all of this all this knowledge and learning from building it and then what you know, all the feedback we're you know, I'll get from release. I'm so excited to then, you know, make a game that will inevitably be better um mm -hmm. for part two. And uh yeah, really, really excited for that. But of course, got to stay focused for now, <laughs> for sure. a little bit longer. But yeah, it you know your your mind drifts, and and I am I am excited to to do that. Is there a financial reality that you have to face as a solo developer, having been an animator and working on AAA stuff for fifteen years, and then to go mm -hmm. solo? Surely you have to parse your finances a bit differently, uh, prepping for launch and in development time. Is that a factor? Oh, totally. You know, I think, um, you know, hopefully that this game does well. And so that becomes less of a problem. But yeah, I mean, I basically turned my income into to zero when I left 343 and, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm living off of savings. And luckily, you know, my wife, who also works, is super supportive and is like, you know, totally on my team for this and everything. And, uh, you know, I couldn't ask for more. And uh, that helps a lot as well but mm -hmm. yeah it's you know it's a it's a risk to leave and with um hopes and aspirations of that becoming uh, a sustainable you know project and a sustainable kind of lifestyle but yeah I, you know at the moment and this is another thing where the pandemic in some ways helps is like i'm not going out and doing anything or traveling or you know i'm just in my room and not spending money <laughs> and buying food <laughs> and that's and, and using electricity and that's about it and uh, it definitely has helped kind of stretch that time. But um, yeah, I mean, it, it, like what I was just saying, like, you know, Song of Iron is not perfect. And both because it's my first time, but I have also have time limitations and um, not saying that it's a bad product because of it. But, you know, I could spend 100 years on it, of course. But A, no one wants that. And perfect is the enemy of done. So, um, yeah. One of the final questions I'll ask is that I get uh, with a lot of indie developers, people ask, uh, are you looking at game pass? Are you looking at PlayStation plus? Are you looking at Xbox live games with gold? Uh, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. Um, where do those things 
come into play from your perspective as a solo developer looking out at different services that might give you publicity, it might give you an income note, uh, or you might get drowned out? How do you balance the desire to be in there versus, you know, soliciting it? Sure, totally. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, Game Pass would be the one that I'm most keen on at the moment. I think um, I'd be super excited to to be part of that if if I ever get that phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, more than so happy to. So it's a to. call that yeah. comes to you, not you go to them? Yeah, G- Game Pass is uh, an authored list, basically. Um, you know, they're not, you can't just sign up for Game Pass, basically. Um, right. And uh, yeah, I mean, if I get that call, I'm very happy to, to do that. Um, Interesting. <laughs> for sure. I mean, I think from everything that, you know, any number I've seen or any of the sort of feedback from developers about it is it's all positives. So I'm very happy to, to, to say yes to that. Gotcha. Um, but in, in general, you know, it's, it's just, it's a constant weighing of time and resources because any, any one thing costs time and resources. And um, that may be, you know, building a demo for this thing or, you know, putting a bunch of time into social media or, you know, spending the time to attempt to get onto a service um, kind of thing. And so at the moment, I'm just trying to, I mean, now at this point, you know, with being so close to launch, I basically know where I'm at and where all the launch stuff is. And so everything else is just going to have to wait till later kind of thing. Um, sure. And uh, happy to, it's, it's always, you know, unfortunate when I have to I can get a nice fun email. It's like, well, <laughs> it's a little late. Uh, I appreciate the email. <laughs> Let's talk after launch, you know, and um, Game Pass would be the exception because that's just a switch as far as I would imagine. But mm-hmm. um yeah, hopefully. <laughs> well, let's get to letting people know where they can find your game when indeed it does release and see if we can't point some more people towards Song of Iron. Let us know where to, where to go for that. Yeah, absolutely. Song of Iron is releasing August 31st of this year. Very exciting. Uh, it's coming to Steam and Xbox and can be pre-ordered right now on Xbox store or you, know, you can go to songofiron.com and there's links to everything you need and uh, if you're a Steam person, wishlisting is just as good for me and, and helps out a lot. And uh, I'm most active on Twitter at Song of Iron. And uh, that's where I usually give my weekly sort of GIF updates and and talk about the game or where things are at. And uh, it's a good thing to follow if you don't want to miss uh, launch. Yeah. Joe Winter, thank you for your time, man. Yeah, thank you for, for having me. I really appreciate it.